2: but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Hey, this is Outside In. I'm Nate Hedgie. It is the week of 4th of July, and a lot of us are out on vacations with our families. And that reminds me that while I've visited a lot of America... I have never been to the Gulf Coast. Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, these states are mysteries to me, which is why I love this new podcast called Sea Change. It's from our public radio buddies down in New Orleans, and it immerses you in the life and culture of the Gulf, especially this episode we want to share with you that is all about the shrimp industry. It takes you from fishing docks to the bayous to an awesome po'boy restaurant, it is like a vacation for the ears. So if you're stuck at home this week or you're on vacation but you really want to be somewhere else, this episode is for you. Enjoy.
0: That's the sound of frying shrimp. It looks good, it? Yeah. We're at Parkway Bakery and Tavern, one of New Orleans' oldest and most famous po'boy shops. It's been around since 1911.
3: You know, uh, that's, that's it. It goes off the boats, goes into that flower. You can see him making the sandwiches right here. She's about to make a shrimp po' boy.
0: And that's Justin Kennedy, the general manager of Parkway. We sit down in the dining room to talk, specifically about what makes their po' boy so good that lines are often out the door.
3: There's two sandwiches that are judged at every po' boy shop. It's the roast beef and it's the shrimp. And, you know, to have a good shrimp po' boy, you have to buy quality shrimp. And being here in Louisiana, we have some of the best shrimp in our backyard. So... Why the hell not use it?
0: We love shrimp here in Louisiana, where we catch more of them than in any other state. And the shrimp po' boy is a big deal at Parkway. Even President Obama has eaten one. They outsell everything else on the menu by about 10 to one. But you're about to hear a story about how all of this is at risk of disappearing. While it may not feel like it here at Parkway, where the kitchen is pumping out 1,500 pounds of wild gulf shrimp every week, a beloved industry is on the verge
3: of collapse. If the shrimping industry went away here in South Louisiana, it would be—I mean, I can't even put it into words. I mean, it's—it's it's a part of our culture, and to see it go away, that would be—it would—that would be disastrous.
1: I'm
0: Carlisle Calhoun,
1: and I'm Hallie Parker, and this is Sea Change. It's a podcast about life on our rapidly changing coast. Louisiana is a seafood mecca. We are the nation's second largest seafood supplier, and we're number one in shrimp. Shrimping has always been at the heart of life in Louisiana, dating back to native tribes shrimping these waters centuries ago. And over the
0: years, the rest of the country has also developed a big appetite for shrimp. Today, Americans eat way more shrimp than any other seafood.
1: So times should be really good
0: for shrimpers, right? But actually, shrimpers here in the U.S. say things have never been worse.
1: While there are lots of restaurants like Parkway dedicated to serving locally caught seafood, many don't. The problem? Massive amounts of cheaper shrimp coming from overseas.
0: We as a country have become the world's largest importer of shrimp. Over 90% of the shrimp Americans eat is coming from other countries. These days, the market is drowning in imported shrimp. And all you have to do is drive to the coast to see what this means for the future of a way of life that goes back generations.
1: Today on Sea Change, Carlisle takes us on a journey into the world of shrimp to find out why a quintessential Louisiana industry is at risk of extinction.
0: It's a business story. It's a climate story. It's a story about a culture sinking away. And if you love shrimp like Hallie and I do, well you're gonna wanna hear what is actually in a lot of the shrimp we're eating.
1: That's coming up today on Sea Change.
4: Tonight.
0: Why don't you hurry, hurry
4: hurry home Why don't you hurry, hurry, hurry home Look here the shrimp is a and shrimp is a and
0: It's a chilly winter day when I leave New Orleans. I drive across the narrow industrial canal and into St. Bernard Parish, past a dystopian- looking oil refinery, and then it's open land. Huge live oaks, heavy with Spanish moss, frame the road. I keep going until the land narrows to a sliver and the welcome sign reads, Delacroix Island, end of the world. I drive through the small village and then the road just ends. Beyond the asphalt lie thousands of acres of wetlands and beyond those, the Gulf of Mexico. I park and walk down to the dock. This was once a bustling outpost for shrimping in Louisiana. And it's here on Delacroix Island where the remaining shrimpers are trying to hold on to their jobs and their way of life. A few guys are unloading crates of blue crabs. So
1: I'm in the right place, baby.
0: Another boat pulls up to the dock and this old fisherman nimbly gets off. He's dressed in foul weather gear, still spry, his face lined by a lifetime out on boats. His name is Thomas Gonzalez, and he's lived here since he was born.
3: I've been a fisherman my whole life, since I was a young boy.
0: I ask him what he's been out fishing for.
3: Crabs. They're going, through my, they're going to go through my crabs over here. We
0: made a day's work. That's all it is. Thomas used to shrimp, but not anymore. He says it's hard to make any money with shrimp these days. Driving through the skinny slip of a town, I didn't see too many big fishing boats. Most are pleasure boats. I ask him how things have changed.
3: Oh, change. We don't have no more land. Everything's gone. This island was all commercial fishermen. It was all Spanish. 99% Spanish. Mm -hmm. It was a big community. We had our own school, we had theater, and everything down here. Then we ain't got nothing left here. There used to be
0: hundreds of island residents living off this estuary's famous riches. Hell, even Bob Dylan has sung about a fishing boat right outside of Delacroix. We had seven different dance
3: halls down here. Every Saturday, Lloyd Armstrong, and you must have heard of him. Jazz band from the city. He didn't drive down here. They used to go get him. They've changed it. Every side of different place on this island.
0: How many people live here now?
3: Now? They might have maybe 25 or 30. That's about it. I heard about Delacroix
0: Island from A.C. Cooper. He's the president of the Louisiana Shrimp Task Force. The task force is a group of shrimpers and state agency officials charged with studying the shrimp industry and working to improve it. That's a busy job. And AC's been crisscrossing the state, meeting with shrimpers, industry reps, politicians, trying to save the shrimp industry. He's meeting me here at the dock. So you just pulled up?
3: I just got here, yeah.
0: AC has bright blue eyes and a goatee. He's thin and a fast talker. AC's been a shrimper his whole life. His father, also AC, was a shrimper and his son, yep, A.C. the third is a shrimper too. A.C. shrimped for 50 years straight, but last year after some health issues took him off the boat, he started a restaurant with his wife, serving local seafood. I'm
3: gonna pick up some crabs and some shrimp, I'm going back and ball them. We're
0: standing together outside the wholesaler's office. It's where the fishermen go to sell their catch right off the boat, which is in a tiny shack on the edge of the dock. A.C. opens the door, and there's a group of fishermen somehow squeezed
3: in. <laughs> well, you gotta... I don't do
2: interviews. Can come we, on. Can yeah, we come do. in? It's...
3: I know, but it's warm <laughs> in here. Yeah, but it's warm in there, said. I chatted
0: with some of the guys on the dock before A.C. got here, but most of them were pretty shy around the microphone. y'all going to let hey, me in? Me. Yeah, come on. Oh, let AC got with me A.C. No here, in. though, they warm up to me a little bit and decide I can come in. I tell them I'm here to talk about the state of shrimping, that gets them fired up. A.C. says the shrimpers have worried about their jobs for decades.
3: It ain't like we ain't went to Washington for 20 years and begged them, and we've been fighting ever since, and we never stopped. We're not going nowhere. We're gonna argue the point until there's no more point to argue. What you gonna do?
0: The problem he's been begging politicians to help with is imports. The U.S. imported way more shrimp than we can even eat last year, and it's decimating the profits for local shrimpers. If you adjust the price of one pound of shrimp for inflation, these guys are making less than half what they were back in the 1980s. Like AC said, this fight over imports is not new. It's just gotten steadily worse over the last couple of decades. Louisiana used to supply the majority of the shrimp we eat in this country, but now that's down to a measly 1.8%. For shrimpers like A.C., whose father shrimped, whose son shrimps, it's more than their jobs at stake.
3: This is a generational thing, and that's the thing, the is gonna be lost, and, you know, it's hard to smile. Everywhere is losing shrimpers.
0: For example, here on Delacroix Island, three years ago, there were 85 commercial boats coming in and out. It's now down to 25.
3: This is, this is our way of life, this is, this is what we do. And it's, it's very serious. And we're the young guys. There's none. So who's going to take over?
0: That's Gary Mayfield AC's talking to. He's another shrimper in the cramped room. But how old are you? I'm 58. And you're the young I'm guy? the
3: young guy. Yeah, that's all we are. I'm 62 already. When
0: people start talking age, everyone looks over at Thomas Gonzalez, the fisherman we first met on the dock, talking about Louis Armstrong. He's like the elder statesman here, and he's sitting next to Gary on a couch, a camouflage couch.
3: How long have you been fishing? Hey, I've been fishing. I fished with a cane pole on the side of the bayou when I was a little boy, catching mullets and fileting yeah. them and salting them down and drying them. And how old are you? <laughs>
0: Eighty-four. That's called the graying of the fleet. Some shrimpers aren't even here to fish at all. They're just hanging out. Gary Mayfield is the only one who's actually shrimping these days. So you were just out?
3: Yeah. Because I have to. I have to pay the bills. That's, that's yeah. the thing. You know, you're to... I don't have any choice.
0: Guys like Gary, they're trying to make a living in the face of a lopsided trade situation that's stacked against them. And to understand that, we're gonna need to meet someone else. Eddie Hayes is an international trade lawyer, and we're sitting in his office in downtown New Orleans. I'm
5: gonna run and get a coffee. Though, okay. do you want water or coffee?
0: If it's time to talk international trade, I'm definitely going to need a coffee. Eddie's worked on all kinds of thorny trade issues over the years, including representing the shrimp industry. And he also teaches the stuff at Tulane Law School. So I'm hoping Eddie can help me understand how shrimp imports took over the industry. He's watched shrimpers battle for their livelihoods for years.
5: You know, unfortunately, this industry goes from one crisis to another that's sort of how they've lived since the major uh, volumes of imports started coming in. And so you're really starting to see panic. I've heard a lot of desperate pleas over the past you know, 17 years that I've been working with this industry. But these cries are a little bit different. The tone's different, and it worries me.
0: His concern is the commercial shrimp industry in Louisiana will totally collapse. Up through the 1970s, American wild-caught shrimp still accounted for about 70% of the U.S. market. Back then, shrimp was an expensive dish, like the classic shrimp cocktail with a handful of shrimp artfully displayed, with cocktail sauce and a high price tag. But shrimp isn't a luxury anymore.
5: Now it's almost like a side item. All you can eat, and, you know, there's a 30-little shrimp on the plate.
0: Louisiana shrimp and wild-caught generally, they're not the same as farm shrimp. Eddie thinks they're way tastier. But that doesn't necessarily mean people are willing to pay more for them.
5: In a lot of industries, you'll see niche products obtain a higher price. But that's not the case in a commoditized type of product like shrimp, even though those of us from Louisiana and the Gulf South know that our shrimp tastes the best. It's got that true wild-caught marine quality to it. Ultimately, consumers and in particular restaurants and things like that, they don't necessarily care. It's all about the price.
0: Here's the problem for Louisiana shrimpers. They can't meet that demand or that lower price, with the way they've shrimped traditionally. Picture guys like Gary going out to the bayous and oceans to catch shrimp. Shrimp are wild creatures, and there's a finite number of them. Plus, their availability rises and falls in cycles. Shrimping is not always predictable. So as our demand for shrimp skyrocketed through the years, the farm shrimp industry in Southeast Asia grew to satisfy it. Shrimp farming has become such a big business that in Bangladesh, Shrimp are known as white gold.
5: Within the past 30 years, you saw a significant increase in the development of aquaculture.
0: American shrimpers are competing against a whole different system. We have some of the strictest fishery regulations in the world, much stricter than anywhere we import from. That's one reason these countries can produce shrimp a lot more cheaply.
5: You know, most oftentimes, any rules or regulations are lessened for them because it's such an important economic aspect of their economy that they tend to look the other way on all kinds of different practices.
0: Practices like wiping out this really important and fragile ecosystem, mangroves, and replacing them with shrimp farms. Shrimp farms create a huge amount of water pollution. Plus the bigger system around shrimp farms is known to use forced and child labor. And when it comes to climate change, imported farm shrimp creates more carbon emissions than any other protein other than beef and lamb. Of course, wild caught shrimp, like we catch here in Louisiana, it's not perfect for the planet either. Fishing boats use a whole lot of diesel after all. But still, experts rank it as way more sustainable than imported farm shrimp.
5: The consumer, when it faces the choice of purchasing domestic shrimp versus imported shrimp, it's a much more complicated and in-depth purchase than, than most consumers think.
0: It's just a totally different process, getting farm-raised shrimp versus wild-caught to your plate. Some of these shrimp farms cover thousands of acres, and the shrimp is raised like a crop.
5: They're able to yield more shrimp when it's grown, utilizing feed, and assuming that they utilize good practices in keeping the shrimp healthy, they can harvest a you know, whole lot more than we can produce here in the United States. That in and of itself would be okay, Putting aside environmental, human rights, other issues like that, if they were playing by the rules. And that's where the problem comes. Because
0: many companies in foreign countries are not playing by the rules.
5: Shrimp is sort of the textbook example of an industry that's been displaced and harmed by unfair trade practices.
0: There are two big illegal trade things going on that end up hurting shrimpers here. The first is called dumping. Okay, it's not a very cute term but it's actually an official one. It means countries are selling their shrimp into the United States for less than they could at home. Why?
5: The real motive is that you can drive out your competition, you gain market share, and then at some point you own the market and control the pricing.
0: On behalf of the U.S. shrimp industry, Eddie sued countries for dumping, and he won, against four Asian countries, which means those countries are supposed to pay penalties. And in theory... Stop dumping so much cheap shrimp on our
5: market. But we've continued to see volumes increase.
0: That's because these countries, they're mostly not paying the fees. They've found ways to get around that. Then Eddie tells me the second big problem. He says these governments often illegally subsidize their shrimp farms, and so they're able to sell to us for artificially low prices and undercut US shrimpers.
5: And that, in my opinion, Is driving the volume, which is driving the price down here, and and what creates the losers.
0: AC and Gary are certainly not losers, but they are losing their livelihoods and their way of life. Coming up, we head out into the bayous on a shrimp boat, where we see the effects of another threat to the shrimp industry and to life in coastal Louisiana, climate change. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at stearnsandfoster.com. Lesser savings may apply.
2: Escape to Ocean City, Maryland and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again ocean city maryland somewhere to smile about book your trip at oceocean.com.
1: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com/pod50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com/pod50 for 50% off.
0: I wanted to go out on a boat to see a shrimper in action to better understand this way of life that could soon be lost. But it was near impossible to find a shrimper actually shrimping. First, I called Thomas Olander.
1: Good morning. How you
0: doing? He's from a multi-generational shrimping family who hasn't missed a season in 44 years. But he wasn't in Louisiana. Instead, he was in Florida, working on generators for cell phone towers to make a living. So it's never been this bad?
2: Never in my career.
0: So then I tried Christy Lamb and her husband Lee. They're shrimpers originally from Cambodia. But she and her husband weren't going out these days.
1: It's not worth it. We quit since October. Yeah. We don't know what to do.
0: Finally, one of the radio producers I work with, Kazia, she reached out to a shrimper she knew. He said he was going out on a short trip, and he could take us with him.
1: We're going to meet Donald Dardar, who's the second chairman of the Shant Indian tribe. He's really nice. He always wears his white rebox, like the white boot rebox.
0: It's early morning. Hazy and I are driving south on a country road, winding its way alongside a narrow bayou. We pass the occasional fishermen standing on the banks, coolers by their feet.
1: We're about to turn into Pointe-a-Shen, where the car is.
0: We drive into the small village that's home to the pointe a Indian tribe. Houses are built right alongside the bayou, one house deep on either side, and all hoisted on stilts high up in the air, You can tell this was done out of necessity and not for looks. Climate change is not abstract here. Hurricanes are getting worse. Seas are rising. Land is vanishing. We park at the tribal building where we're meeting Donald. He's there talking with another member of the tribe in French, the first language of the older generations here. Donald's in his mid-60s. Gray hair and a calm and content kind of energy. He's semi-retired, but still shrimps often. Mm-hmm. Just right. not doing the back-breaking, no-sleep kind of shrimping he used to. Right,
2: okay, right. Y'all have luck right. Yeah.
0: We follow Donald and climb aboard his boat.
2: You
4: keep it clean. I gave it a just for
0: yesterday. It's a 30-something foot long shrimp boat with fresh green nets that his brother hand makes, hanging from masts on each side. Hey, man, where you going? Put some more cages out? As we head down the bayou towards open water, Donald waves and greets people on their docks and sitting on their front porches. Most of them are family. My
4: nephew right here, my brother's boat, cousin's boat, brother-in-law's boat.
0: We have a lot of family here. All
4: family, yeah.
0: (laughs) Crab traps are stacked high on the banks, and blue tarps cover the roofs of some of the homes. Hurricane Ida made a direct hit here in 2021 and most houses were completely destroyed. People are still living in FEMA trailers, next to the carcasses of their old homes. Donald told me despite the destruction, almost everyone returned. This is their home here on the bayou, their tight-knit community. People don't want to move, but they feel climate change bearing down on them, a global force with local personal consequences. It's not too different from how imported shrimp threatens their way of life. Donald points out an industrial building, built right on the bayou.
4: Yeah, that was a shrimp processor when they built it. Now they're working oyster right now. They don't ever process
0: shrimp now?
4: Not no more. You can't compete with that overseas or shrimp. That's messing us up, that overseas stuff.
0: Almost everyone in Puey makes their living from fishing, mostly for shrimp and crabs. And pretty much every house has a working dock in front of it. We leave the village behind. The bayou widens as we motor beyond the protection of the 12-foot levees. It's a beautiful, sunny, and warm day, but there's a dense wall of fog over the bay in front of us. Some other shrimpers come on the radio. Rodney and Joe are also from of-shin and are out too. We can just make out their boats through the fog. We hear them say on the radio that they just pulled up their nets and caught mostly seaweed, what they call jelly. So we head out further, out into the wide open bay, in the hopes we'll have better luck. This area used to be broken up by islands and marsh. Donald would trap muskrats and nutria here in the off season, but that land is gone now. It's just open water, except for some abandoned platforms and pipes from the oil and gas industry, which are scattered across the bay. Donald points to his GPS. It uses an old map.
4: Well, all this right here was all land before. Now it's all open water. They got no more land at all right here. And according to the GPS right here, years back they had land all over, all over here.
0: If this was accurate, we would be
4: running around right we'll now. We'd we'll be on ground. I wish it would be still like that.
0: The land and wetlands of coastal Louisiana were once built and maintained by the Mississippi River. Its regular floods deposited sediment and replenished the wetlands. But in our flood control efforts, we levied the Mississippi and stopped the land-building sediment from getting here. On top of that, Oil and gas companies sliced and diced these marshes with thousands of miles of destructive channels, which hurried land erosion. Now there's sea level rise. Coastal Louisiana is losing land at one of the fastest rates on Earth. As the wetlands vanish, shrimpers are losing not just their homes, but also the shrimp's habitat. Point au chen means oak point in French. There were once areas thick with live oak trees. I see none now. Donald leaves the steering wheel.
4: Now we're shrimping. Hopefully we get shrimp.
0: We drag the nets for a while. Dolphin and seagulls are swimming alongside us, snagging the occasional shrimp from out of the nets. OK,
4: we're going to get ready to pick up the bag. I'm going to pull on these ropes and the boat. We'll get them up.
0: Then Donald turns on the electric winch and pulls in the nets.
4: I was hoping we'd get you a little bit anyway. But little something.
0: He dumps out the shrimp onto a big table in the middle of the boat. Maybe 35 pounds and he starts quickly sorting, throwing back into the water any small fish or seaweed that got caught in the net. A few of the tiny fish don't make it. The seagulls swoop in for a snack.
2: The seagulls are
3: saying, thank you.
0: When Donald finishes sorting, he puts the shrimp on ice, hoses down the boat, and we're ready to do it all over again. It's late afternoon when we're done, near the end of the season in December, and we didn't catch a lot of shrimp, maybe 50 pounds. I guess
1: you've had a better day, with
4: Oh yeah, not lot more better than you
0: probably not enough to pay for the gas. But Donald doesn't seem too disappointed. He said, yes, this is how he makes money. But what they catch here is also a main source of food, and it's their heritage, one he's proud of and wants to see carried on. We kill the engine and drift for a bit, while Donald fixes a hole in his net, made by a hungry dolphin trying to eat our shrimp. And he tells us about his life here.
4: I started shrimp with my dad when I was about uh, 13 years old, I guess. I got my own boat when I was 15. I quit school in 8th grade, but pretty close to 50 years I've been doing some shrimping. It's been a good life for me.
0: Donald thought about becoming a tugboat captain. He could have done a lot of things. But shrimping's what he grew up doing, and he loves this way of life. He spent a lifetime living off the land and sea, much in the same way as his dad did. His grandfather did before him. In shrimping the same waters his ancestors did going back centuries
4: yeah, if, if you're a fisherman, that that's that's where you want to be, right there. Because I could just go to the bay side, right in front of my house and cross the road, get on my boat, and I could catch me a fish right there or catch me some crab. And so far, I did uh, pretty good with that. So, didn't get rich, but it's, it's a life. so.
0: But it's also a life that's changing. Stronger hurricanes like Ida are hitting more often as the climate warms, and the land Donald grew up on continues to vanish into the Gulf. It's not just the shrimp industry people fear is going to disappear. It's also this way of life, this rich culture in this place. People like Donald wonder how long it will be able to continue. The neighboring tribe on Ile de Jean Charles, where most everyone also made a living in a life off the water. Thanks to land loss, they were forced to move inland 40 miles last year.
1: So, Carlisle, you've taken us on quite the journey to understand what our Gulf shrimpers are going through. We've learned about the effect of these gigantic global systems and markets on shrimpers who have grown up in the business and really don't seem to know any other way to live. (sighs) My head's spinning a little bit.
0: Oh, mine is, too. There's just so much going on for shrimpers. There's everything you just said, and then there's also the land loss and hurricanes and the growing impacts
1: from climate change.
0: These shrimpers are just dealing with so much. And then there's another layer, if, if that's not enough.
1: I don't think I want to hear it.
0: Yeah, you probably don't. And I didn't want to hear it either. But it's actually something we really need to know about. So I first heard about it from Gary Mayfield on Delacroix Island. Do you remember him? Gary, he was the one who was actually still trying to shrimp. Yep, exactly. That's the one. So Gary went to Walmart recently, and he wanted to show me this photo on his phone. It was of a bag of frozen shrimp.
3: Okay, look, great value. The shrimp, peeled. Well, I grabbed it, started looking at it. It was from India. But if you look at it, if you don't know, you just got off of work, ain't it better to go buy this peeled shrimp and go home and cook it? But you don't know where it's from. You don't know what they got in it. The antibiotics and all that.
1: But- Wait. Did he just say antibiotics? Is that true?
0: Well, I was wondering the same thing. And you know, I'm a shrimp lover. I eat it all the time. And I know that's true for a lot of people. So, of course, I wanted to dig into this. And I first called up Steve Morris. He's with the Government Accountability Office, which is the investigative branch of Congress. They're like basically a watchdog agency. And they come in if there's an issue of national concern, like the safety of imported shrimp. And they conduct investigations. And at this point, they've been investigating imported shrimp for over 20 years. That's a long time. So Steve's been leading the GAO's investigations. And he explained to me the biggest problem stems from the way shrimp is grown in farms.
2: And often that occurs in very confined conditions, which can lead to high rates of disease. What happens is that farmers basically are treating their seafood with various types of drugs, such as antibiotics, to improve the survival rate.
1: Okay, so we know that shrimp farms are already causing problems with the market and environmentally, but now there's another reason why some of them are problematic?
0: Yes, exactly. And the
1: antibiotics
0: they're using are actually illegal, both here and in a lot of the countries where they're operating.
1: If these antibiotics are used, how dangerous are they?
0: So Steve told me they can cause a range of negative health effects. They can be pretty minor, like allergic reactions. They can lead to more serious consequences like antibiotic resistance. And then some of the drugs found in shrimp have even been linked to cancer. It's a pretty big deal, which is why they've been looking at this for so long.
1: Yeah. And do we know how much tainted shrimp is actually coming into the country?
0: No, we actually really don't. So the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, they're in charge of making sure whatever does come into our country is safe for us to eat. But there's just so much shrimp coming in, like over two billion pounds a year. And the FDA's current system's just not up to that task. So listen to what Steve's investigation found.
2: We found that about one-tenth of one percent was actually being tested.
1: So only 0.1 percent is being tested. So, uh, I don't know about you, but that kind of feels like we don't actually know how pervasive this problem is. Do we even know how much of the shrimp that's tested has antibiotics and drugs in them? Well, we
0: don't really know because we're testing so little of the shrimp. But I'll say multiple studies have shown pretty high rates of drugs and antibiotics in the shrimp that actually does get tested. So the GAO's investigation found that 12% of the shrimp that was sampled contained illegal drugs and antibiotics in them. And then there was another study actually done here at Louisiana State University back in 2017. So for the study, scientists went around to grocery stores around Baton Rouge and they bought products with frozen imported shrimp in them. So they tested 42 samples and of those samples, 32 of them had banned antibiotics and drugs in them.
1: Wow, that number is shocking. It feels like we should be taking this pretty seriously. Who's even in charge of fixing this? Well, it really does land on FDA's plate, but from everybody I spoke to, it's
0: just this enormous task where our system is trying to get better, but we're still talking about fixing systemic, complicated problems in this huge global market. But some good things are happening. There's a big effort to get shrimp farmers to stop using the drugs and antibiotics, and then there's a big push for what's called traceability. So this will help us just as a country and as consumers to have more information about where our shrimp is coming from so we can have an idea if the product is maybe linked to child-enforced labor or if it's potentially from farms already known to be using banned drugs and antibiotics. So traceability is something we should definitely be working towards. But we're not there yet. No, we're not there yet. But interestingly enough, the state where we live, Louisiana, passed a new law a few years ago in the effort to give consumers more information about where our shrimp's coming from. So restaurants now have to put it on their menu if they're serving imported shrimp.
1: Mm -hmm. And is that working? Well, I spoke with Gwen
0: Shook at the Louisiana Department of Health about that. And she told me every year more and more restaurants are complying. I should say, though, the department did cite 411 restaurants last year for not following the law. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So... Let's say if I was going out to order shrimp at a restaurant or if I was going to buy it to cook at home, what is the healthiest option for me? I'm guessing fresh local or American wild-caught shrimp? Yep, yep, you got it. If you can
0: find it. And that's kind of a problem.
1: Yeah, when it comes to getting it, I feel like that can be kind of hard to do, even here in New Orleans.
0: I totally agree. And the shrimpers I talked to spoke about the access problem, too. But some places here are making some pretty bold moves to change that. And you're about to hear about it. Please tell me it's good news. Hallie, it's finally good news. And it's coming up next. The whole world is eating more shrimp. An enormous amount of shrimp. And that's estimated to nearly double by 2030. But what does this mean for shrimpers here? I guess the big question is, has our love for cheap shrimp led to the demise of our own wild-caught shrimping industry? A.C. Cooper says yes.
3: If we can't get to the point where we need to be, we're going to lose it within a year or two. I promise you, It's, it's gone.
0: But then, a few weeks after A.C. tells me this, my phone rings. And it's A.C.
3: Well, I wanted to call you with some good news.
0: The good news came from St. Bernard Parish, where Delacroix Island is. The parish council passed a new law.
3: Today, they, they put it together this weekend, went before the council today, and they passed that nobody can sell imported shrimp in St. Bernard because of the health risk. Wow. That is huge. So that is huge. That's one one step in the right direction.
0: This has never happened before anywhere. The St. Bernard Parish Council voted that imported shrimp can no longer be sold anywhere in the parish. AC played a big role in making this happen. He's been meeting with council members, talking with them about the health risks of imported shrimp, and about how seriously in trouble the shrimp industry is. AC is elated. He and the Shrimp Task Force are now taking this movement statewide. They want other parishes to follow what St. Bernard did, ban imported shrimp. And they want people who buy shrimp to make informed decisions. Because at the end of the day, what happens to shrimpers lies in the hands of the market. That is, in our hands. Here in Louisiana, every spring at the start of shrimping season, fishing communities gather for their annual blessing of the fleet. It's a tradition that goes back centuries to similar ceremonies performed in fishing towns along the Mediterranean coast. After a Sunday Mass, Shrimpers parade their boats, which they've decorated in brightly colored flags, through the bayou. Crowds line the banks, celebrating the day, and watching as each boat passes on its way to receive its blessing from the priest for a safe and bountiful season. But year by year, less holy water is sprinkled as fewer and fewer shrimp boats line up for the parade. We still go to the grocery store and buy cheap shrimp, so we aren't too concerned. Maybe we hardly notice the smaller blessing in the boat parades, or that this deep culture intermeshed in our web of bayous, the culture we flaunt in our Louisiana advertising, is at risk of disappearing. Sometimes the world we think is still there slips away really slowly without us noticing. It's like what Donald Dardar told me about land loss around Point Ocean. It's happened so incrementally that one day he looked up and found himself shocked at how much it vanished.
1: Thanks for listening to Sea Change. This episode was reported and fact-checked by the one and only Carlisle Calhoun, with editing help from me, Hallie Parker, Patrick Madden, Rosemary Westwood, and Eve Abrams. Our sound designer is Maddie Zampanti. Casey Citalin handled promotion. Change is a WWNO and WRKF production. We're a proud part of the NPR Podcast Network and distributed by PRX. To see photos from our trips with Louisiana shrimpers and find links to learn more, check out our website, wwnoorg slash podcast slash Sea Change is made possible with major support from the Gulf Research Program of the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. WWNO's Coastal Desk is supported by the Walton Family Foundation, the Moreau Foundation, and the Greater New Orleans Foundation.